Hello. You had to put the join thing together. Come on, Beso. I've, I've only been doing this now 20 times, <laughs> and I still haven't gotten it right. You know, sometimes you, you do something all season, and it just doesn't work out. And on that note, Jay Stingler, we have breaking news. He's been fired from the San Diego Padres. He will no longer be the manager of the San Diego Padres. Sources say that uh, AJ Prellers offered him a position within the uh, within the team still. However, of course, we don't know if that was just like a hey, you know, we still we'd still like you, you know, but we we just can't have you a manager. We don't know if he's going to take that. Obviously, we don't know if that would be awkward. That sounds awkward. But Jace Tingler's gone. We don't know who's going to replace him. Obviously. The offseason has officially begun for the Padres. Your thoughts, Omar? Uh, I know some people are probably throwing a parade in the gas lamp right now. Uh, like I've said in the past, I'm not... like I supported Tingler during some of his like you know more uh, controversial decisions. Uh, I will admit that like you know he probably wasn't the right fit for the organization, but at the same time, you know... It is what it is. He's got fired. We're going to get a new coach, hopefully. Hopefully, that new coach... Uh, I think Preller said something about that coach is able to like bring his own staff in. So we might just be seeing not just like a managerial change, but more coaching changes, which a lot of people wanted. We'll just have to see how that goes, honestly, especially whoever gets chosen. Yeah, that's something we're really hopeful for. Um but obviously, don't don't cheer over anybody losing their job here. That's not, you know, the great way to be fans. Especially, uh, especially during these days, you know. When, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I hope he lands on his feet. He just wasn't the right fit here. And we'll have all offseason to talk about what the potential candidates are and who the new manager is. But, of course, that was the breaking news for today. We're recording on Wednesday, the 6th of October. Right after the second wild card game has been played yesterday, the Red Sox beat the Yankees. And as of recording today, it is with a heavy heart that the Dodgers have beaten the Cardinals and they have advanced to go play the Giants in the first round, the division round, I should say, of the National League playoffs. So you have now the Rays and Red Sox on one side, and you have the Giants and Dodgers, so the AL East and NL West, they're going to be figured out by the end of this round. Any thoughts on the wildcard game? Games? <laughs> starting, starting with uh, the Red Sox-Yankees, uh, I knew that was over, I knew that was over as soon as I heard Garrett Cole was pitching. Wow. <laughs> like I, He's had an up-and-down year, like, during the second half, like, once he adjusted to not having sticky stuff, he did better. Uh, you know, there's obviously been, like, you know, this thing that he's been injured or whatever. But, like, he's supposed to be the Yankees guy. You know, they're, uh, I don't know how expensive that contract was, but most expensive ever pitcher guy. contract Like, that kind of guy to, like, help them win these games. Mm-hmm. And he got ticken out in, like, what, the second and third inning? After giving up three runs? He, he got taken out. I, I remember watching a video on this. He got taken out in the third inning. So he only pitched two innings and like a third 50 pitches. Mm-hmm. 
which is awful, of course. Yeah. For... So just Garrett, I knew, I just, I had a feeling Garrett Cole would shit the bed, and the Yankees would, you know, get found out. And you know, on the other side of the ball, uh, Nathan Avaldi had a really good game, going five innings, only giving up one earned run, I believe, right? I I think so. And isn't Yavaldi a former Yankee? Is he? I think yeah. so. Let me well, let me look this up. <laughs> let me stat check myself here. Do do do. No. Yes. Okay. He, he played. He played on numerous teams here. He's played on the Yankees, uh, the Rays, and the Red Sox in in his last three uh, oh. teams here. So he's. Good. A good tour of the uh, AL East. It seems. Yeah, he just needs to go to the Orioles. It seems like, and then he'll be. Well, I guess Orioles, Toronto. Yeah, Orioles in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. Yeah. He just uh, needs to take those two. Something else to note, you know, a uh, former Padre Hunter Renfro, having a pretty decent game. Didn't do anything too flashy, but you know, was himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I always have always support Hunter Renfro. I always like them as a Padre. Yeah, no problem with Hunter Renfro. He is obviously a great fielder, and I know he brings a lot for them. The Red Sox kind of snuck up on people. I feel like people didn't think they were going to be so good. Not as much as the Giants, obviously, and the Red Sox almost lost their spot. They held on at the end. I'm always going to be happy that the Yankees lose. That the Yankees lose. The Yankees lose. <laughs> yeah. uh, everyone was happy. The, the only time all of America would would root for the Red Sox, I feel. Everybody in America hates the Yankees. That's kind of interesting. Um, the Dodgers, unfortunately, we didn't get the same present tonight. Yeah. So close. <laughs> so close. I just wanted the Cardinals to win one game here. And then I could, like, just sleep. Because, you know, I don't I don't hate the Giants. I, I dislike the Giants. But I don't hate them. And the Dodgers are still alive here. I guess I hate the Astros in the American League just for what they stand for. So there's that. But that leads me to my next topic. Omar, there's always a very big difference. Who do you want to win and who do you think will win? We're looking at the bracket right now together. And, you know, there's eight teams left. Who do you want to win the World Series? So I'm going to go through matchup by matchup. Okay. And then just tell you on the spot. So Tampa Ray Boston. I think mm-hmm. Tampa Ray's got Tampa Bay's got it. Uh okay. I'll get more for the World Series matchup. Uh, spoilers, but okay. they, their their team is just absolutely built. And I think they're gonna go for a run this year. Uh White Sox Astros, it's this is an interesting one because I think both teams are good, but also mm-hmm. kind of benefited from weaker divisions. Cause like the AL East popped off as like you know the honest to god the best division in baseball uh yeah. so looking at that like the rest of the al kind think, of didn't match up to that so i think the al west was fine yeah you know, the, the mariners were almost almost in the playoffs almost. and the a's were almost in the playoffs they were both pretty good in other years one of those two teams will probably make it but not the mariners because they're the Mariners. So. so for the Sox, white Sox, astros this is probably more biased, but I think the the White Sox will make it through. Okay. I think they, they probably just have a slightly better team than the Astros, just very slightly. And I think it comes down to pitching. Honestly. Okay. Uh, so on the on the other side, mm-hmm. uh, gonna on the NL, gonna start with the Brewers Braves. 
this will really come down to if the Brewers pitching is lights out, then then the Braves are done. You know, like there's no there's no way they'll be able to hit against the Brewers pitching if they're on, you know. Uh, if, if the Braves make it through, you know, congrats on them, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Brewers go through in this yeah. way. Yeah, the, uh, Giants LA, they've been neck and neck each other for almost the whole year. So, in light of that, fuck the Dodgers, Giants go through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no shame. And then real quick, uh, I think Tampa Bay beats the White Sox. Just because, once again, they, they have an absolute stack squad. White Sox, I feel like in a few years' time, they'll it's not make their it. time. It's not, it's their, not time. their time just yet. They're, they're going to reach it soon. I just I think Tampa Bay has has more in the uh has more in like their club or whatever if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, Giants Brewers is an interesting one because you have like one of the best rotations in baseball, and mm-hmm. while well, the Giants also have very very solid rotation this year, and also their bullpen has been really good. Um, I'm honestly gonna give the Giants the edge here. I feel like they'll they'll pull out of their ass like whatever magic they've been able to use in the regular season to beat the Brewers here. So that leaves Tampa Bay and Giants. Um, yeah. I think Tampa Bay takes it. So you think the the World Series is going to be won by Tampa Bay over the Giants this year? Yes. And that is, that's who you think will win. Is that also who you want to win? Well, I don't have much against the Giants, but I'd, I think it'd be easier pill to swallow to see Tampa Bay win it, who I didn't want to win last year because, you know, fuck the Dodgers. But, you know, <laughs> don't want another NL West opponent to hold over the Padres' heads that they won something that we still have yet to do. So rather, I'd rather see Tampa Bay win their first championship than the Giants win another one. And, okay. and besides, it's not even an even year, so, you know. Yeah, they're not allowed to win this year. For me, I have a I have a divergence there, be between what I want to happen and what I think will happen. So, which one do you want to hear first? I want to hear what you think. Okay. So, Tampa Bay and San Francisco. I have those two, same as you. All right. I have the Astros beating the White Sox. Is what I think will happen. I have the Brewers beating the bringing the Braves. But then I have I do have San Francisco getting to the World Series. But then I have the Astros beating the Rays. Ooh. And I have the Astros beating the Giants to win the World Series. That's what you want to happen. No. Oh, that's God what no. That's <laughs> what I think will happen. Uh, okay. What I want to happen is I want to see the Brewers out of the NL. Mm. I I would prefer if it's either the Brewers or Braves, but I have absolutely no faith in the Braves. <laughs> the Brewers usually screw up in the playoffs as well when they do make it, but I have more faith in them due to their pitching. So I want the Brewers to make it. I do want the Rays to go against them, but I want the Brewers to beat the Rays. And also, just highlighting this, Manfred would absolutely hate a Brewers versus Rays World Series. And why is that? Because both small markets? Both are small markets. I think Manfred wants LA versus Boston. Or, you know, Boston versus San Francisco. 
I think that's what he wants. I'd honestly like I I could see like him wanting like LA versus Houston the rematch. That that could be a thing too. They don't want the White Sox because no offense to the White Sox at all, but they are the very definite second team in Chicago, and even like in Chicago they have a smaller portion of fans, and you know, the Braves have a lot of fans, but I don't think they're going to make it. The Brewers are the definite small market in the NL. Yeah. We can at least take solace in that there won't be a chance for an L.A. New York World Series. Thankfully, yeah. Yeah, thank the Lord. I, I saw people predict that for this year. I'm like, we had, we had no, no, one, yeah. no one but Dodger and Yankee fans want to see that. Like, good we for them, but no one else wants to see that. We have to be thankful, knock on wood, that the Yankees have been somewhat incompetent for the last decade because the Dodgers have made the playoffs every year. So the chances of the Dodgers and Yankees making the World Series against each other has been higher than ever. And we have to be we have to be thankful that the Yankees have been, you know, not as competent as they used to be. Mm-hmm. But again, I think the Astros will win the World Series. And it hurts me to say that. I think I think there's something going on in hell right now. Um uh, they're on like a scorched earth tour. Two quick points. Uh, I think the honest to God, the Astros are one of those teams that are very boom or bust. Uh, yeah. Like um, switching the football, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were in a similar position in the playoffs last year. They were either going to go all the way or shit the bed. And they went all the way. So I feel like the Astros will be in that territory. They're either just going to absolutely shit the bed against the White Sox or just destroy the White Sox the winner of the other ALDS, and then whoever they meet in the World Series. I feel like with the Rays, it's too good to be true for them to make the World Series back-to-back years. I feel like this is a year where they they come up just short in the ALCS. Mm. Because the Rays have had you know a lot of success, but I think when they made the World Series the other time, they only made it once. They didn't make it back-to-back years. I think the same will happen here. But they, they obviously have a great team, best in the American League during the regular season. I'm just worried about the Astros. And and Astros Dodgers would be the worst case scenario probably for me as well. I don't want to say that. I'd prefer that <laughs> over Dodgers Yankees. Because I at least yeah. I'd be interested but in of like the, the, of whole... the eight teams left, that would be the worst case. I'd be interested in that only for the whole cheating narrative. You know, like the they this is the first time they meet each other in the in like the World Series since that. Okay. And I feel like that would be interesting to look at. It would be it would be interesting. I would just hate it because I'd have no winner again. Because then you're like, do you root against the Dodgers this time, or do you root for them? But are the Astros still cheating right now? You know, <laughs> what if the Dodgers were cheating too? Nah, probably yeah, not. Like, uh, not to that extent. I think yeah. all teams cheat, but not to that extent. Uh, Real quick before we move on, uh, funny you brought up that point of like small market teams facing each other. Yeah, didn't just like this past NBA Finals had two small market teams go against each other. They did, and it was amazing in my opinion. Because to me, it seemed like a refreshing change of pace. Like the NBA, like I I fail to have interest in because Mm -hmm. you know for like for the longest time it was literally uh, Warriors and Cavs. You know. Yeah, we had four in a row of that, I believe. And then, like, you know, this uh, the LA Lakers, who I am a fan of, I will admit, you know, they were burgeoning to be the super team, and then they kind of fell off last year. 
So then they didn't really they didn't go back to defend their championship. Yeah. But then we had the Bucks and uh, who was it? Who was your opponent? The Phoenix Suns broke a yeah. decade long playoff drought. And they didn't just win one round. They won three rounds of playoffs after not making the playoffs in forever to make it all the way to the finals. They won the first two games of the NBA finals. And then Giannis put them in their place and the Bucks won the world, won uh, the NBA title. But it was a very uh, good fight. One of my best friends who does, who like only follows the NBA for Giannis, I know he was pretty happy about him winning a ring. Yeah, yeah. I like. I know. I like. I've seen. The, I always hear about this guy. I always hear like he's a really good player. So now he has that like ring to legitimize himself. So to put it into context, Jonas as a player is, you know, he's he's amazing, but he he does have some faults in his game. His biggest fault is that he's not a great jump shot shooter. Mm. He's a big, tall guy. He doesn't shoot free throws well. But in game six, which was the elimination game. He did not miss a single shot from the free throw line. I think he was like some crazy number, like 17 out of 17. So it's not like he wasn't getting fouled. And he had 50 points. So it's like, it's just one of those things that comes up that's going to be like a legendary performance that, you know, 50 years from now, they're still going to have marked down. Because this is the elimination game. You win this and you get the chip. And he just said, I'm going to do it. And he got 50 for the elimination game. Nice. A lot of people were very rooting for the Suns. One of my buddies was rooting for the Suns because of Chris Paul, you know, the guy yeah. from the State Farm commercials. He he came to the Suns this year. It was his first year with the Suns, and he took them from a team that had not made the playoffs. He took them all the way to the finals. They have other good players too, but he's like the leader, the veteran, the guy who has all this experience and made the whole team run as the point guard. So a lot of people were sad that he didn't get his chip but I'm happy that uh, Giannis got it. And it sounds like your buddy as well. But I thought it was a cool storyline. That was basketball talk. (laughs) 17 for 17, though. Like, I know John Boys did, like, a small little research thing for one of his videos where, like, he recorded 10 for 10, which is, like, very rare for you to do, as is. 17 for 17 in a game? Holy shit. Let me look up those, uh, the box score for him in game six there, just to make sure. Oh, okay, I was wrong. I'm sorry. 17 for 19. Okay. But this guy this guy is like a 50% free throw shooter during the regular season. So if you take 19 free throws, you'd expect him to make somewhere between 8 to 12, I want to say. But he had 50 points, 14 rebounds, 5 blocks in the final game. So he just, you know, went crazy. Yeah. When he needed it most. <laughs> All right, I'm good to uh, switch back to baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yes, tangent over. Uh, so, as the other teams are continuing on with the playoffs, the Padres are starting their off season. And one thing we thought would be interesting would be to just look at the season and the players, the things that happened, and. We wanted to give three stars from one being good, but not as good as the three to our three favorite players on the Padres mm. uh, for what they did this season. So I'm going to start with you, Omar. Who is your first star? Joe Musgrove. 
Okay. <laughs> e- easiest decision I've made literally all day. Joe Musgrove okay. is okay. my favorite Padre player. Arguably the Padres MVP this year. Like, okay. I know Tatis is literally in line for like an NL MVP award. But okay. honest to God, I give it to Joe Musgrove for the team MVP. Sorry, Tatis. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this kid, you know, he comes in, right? He's one of Preller's lesser-known acquisitions in the offseason because, you know, we had Darvish, Snell, and, like, you know, all the other flashy pickups. Musgrove went under the radar. You know, he was a pickup from the Pirates. He's a home, he, like, you know, he's a hometown San Diego uh-huh. kid. Went to Grosmont High School. Uh, uh-huh. He comes in. First start, uh, pitches, I believe it was, like, five or six innings uh, with the shutout. Mm-hmm. Next start throws our franchise's first no hitter, and and then if you look at his stats this year, let me pull them up. Joe Musgrove, he was the best pitcher the Padres had during the regular season. Mm-hmm. I I looked this up when I was looking up uh, some other players that might come up later. He was one of two Padres pitchers that you know was an actual starter. One of two Padres starters. To finish with a winning record, and he had the lowest ERA of those starters. Yeah, so right here he had, he went eleven for nine, uh, eleven mm-hmm. for nine, eleven and nine in the regular mm-hmm. season with a three point eighteen ERA. Uh, he threw one hundred and one point one innings pitched. Uh, mm-hmm. he struck out two hundred three batters. By the way, first Padre to strike out two hundred batter- batters since like I want to say twenty fifteen, I believe. Uh, and his WHIP was also one point zero eight one, which. I feel like it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, he amassed a 3.5 uh, baseball reference for as well, which is, you know, also pretty good. But yeah, like this dude, he was, he was, uh, I remember, I think Jesse Agler tweeted this stat. Uh, a lot of the stats, like uh, very specific stats I hear from this man. He's our uh, radio play by play guy. Very mm. good. Very good radio play by play guy. Um, Joe Musgrove was the only starter from our opening day rotation to not miss a turn. Yeah, in fact, like I, he never. Uh, the only time like he was close to missing a turn was when he came out of the bullpen for us to uh, pitch. Uh, sh- I think it was like five shutout innings against the Astros during a game back in I want to say May. I do remember that they put him in there, and the announcers are talking about it, and he just like. He wanted to eat those innings because the team started off really badly. I think the Padres went on to lose that game, but they got some they got some runs back while he was pitching, so it, it got a lot closer, and, and they almost came back. Mm-hmm. So it was a very valiant, you know, thing. He probably stepped in and said, "Hey, I want to do this," because mm-hmm. the team was already hurting at the starting pitching uh, position right there. My uh, two favorite starts for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, obviously, the no hitter, because you know yeah, that day, like uh, I didn't even know we were. I I, did, I didn't watch the game initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't remember what I was doing at the start. Uh, I did. I was like, okay, I like I watched like the first like six games in a row. I'll take a break today. It's the Rangers. We'll win them. <laughs> and then I checked the box score and I see he he's gone through six hit lists and I'm like, could this be it? <laughs> So I started watching, and yeah. yeah, yeah, just that day was full of emotions. You know, still early season, still hopeful we'd at least finish over five hundred. <laughs> uh, 
but my favorite one, I, I honestly have to say, is his start against the Angels late in the season when he pitched a complete gate shutout, complete game shutout against them. Now that game, uh, I didn't watch that game. I was listening to the radio play by play though, and yeah, dude was just tearing them down the whole way through. He he had a few really good outings, and at times he looked like you know an ace, and at the worst. He looked like a very competable, uh, competent starter, which is something we couldn't say about everybody in our starting rotation. There was nobody as consistent as Joe Musgrove, and you know everything about him being a local guy that wanted to play for the Padres. Um, having him here just makes it so much better. Uh, you know, obviously we don't know the guy in real life, but. I hope he's it a nice like guy. A good yeah. <laughs> it seems like uh, a good story. Before we move on to your first pick, uh, mm-hmm. disregarding who we pick up or who gets like back to full form by the start of the regular season next year, should Joe Musgrove pitch opening day? Disregarding that. Okay. Well, we'll see if we don't make any moves, which I don't know if we will on starters. You have... Darvish, Snell, Clevenger, as well as Paddock, Weathers, Lamette, if those guys are all starting. And I feel like the team might want to go with Snell. And I feel like I feel like uh Musgrove is the kind of guy that doesn't care about that sort of personal accolade. So I feel like, you know, if it was a different pitcher, he'd say, Look, I was the guy from last year. I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna have great stuff. And we're gonna put us off. We're gonna we're gonna start in the right foot. Like I don't see that from his personality. Mm. Whereas Snell, I think I kind of see it like, hey, give me the ball for the game one. Or Darvish being just like the veteran, or even Clevenger. I wouldn't give it to Clevenger, but I, I don't think it's gonna happen. I think Joe will go on day two or three. I agree, but personally, this is definitely my own bias. I think, manager. Yeah. I think he's earned it, you know, if he were to be chosen. I think he's earned it. The thing is that we said this at the beginning of the year, and we're, we're saying this again, but in much different feeling that the Padres have a lot of pitching choices. A lot of, <laughs> we feel much differently about them now, but they have a lot of pitching choices. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so who's your first guy? So. I feel like knowing what your what your first was, I feel I feel I'm gonna go shock value here for the pod. Okay. My first is Fernando Tatis Jr. Wow, he yeah. is NL MVP. Yes, frontliner. Or he is the NL MVP uh, frontliner headliner. At least he's gonna be first, second, or third in NLV NL MVP voting, depending on what's all said and done there. Mm-hmm. He hit 42 home runs, which I was asking for, because that puts him at number two overall for a single season on the Padres. He might be one of the youngest players to ever hit 40 home runs in a season. I'm not sure about that stat. I just thought about it on the top of my head here. He finished the year with a 282 batting average, which of course is nothing to scoff at. Uh, 97 RBIs, so just three short. He finished with 25 stolen bases, 
So certainly the 30 for 30 um, is within the realm of possibility. 30 doubles. He was an amazing player at bat on the field. And I think, you know, obviously getting that shoulder right is priority number one. Priority number two for me is going to be the dreaded E word because he led the team in errors. Well, and I'm uh, I'm gonna talk about it just by saying, you know, I know Fernando probably listens to this pod because we are the most famous pod. So I'm gonna say if you want to be Padres MVP next year, I don't want to see you leading the team in errors. That's all I'm gonna say. You know. And give him something to work for next year. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna be a little bit spoiling right now and say that okay. he's not—he's not on my list. He was. Oh, okay. Addition. I made a quick, okay. a quick uh, change. Okay. And it's—it is not that you know because Tatis, uh, you know, he's my favorite player. Uh, I feel like favorite position player. He's very yeah. good. Yeah. Just you know, this year like. It, it felt it was good, but, you know, a lot of stuff could have been better. Uh, and that's what I'm hoping for next season. I hope he really pops off. Like, you know, arguably he popped off this year, but like next year, you know. I I am surprised here. I thought I was going to be the low one on Tatis, but you don't even have him on the list. So this guy who could be NL MVP isn't even in your top three Padres for 2021. That's interesting, mm-hmm. but it will give him something to work for next year. Mm-hmm. Who's yeah, your that, number two? My number two. Uh huh. This this guy. So going into the season, like I, you mm-hmm. know, last year he was good, but this year he really stepped up his game, uh, and that's Jake Cronenworth. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so last year was, I believe, the runner up for NL Rookie of the Year voting. If I'm yeah, correct, he was runner up. Yeah. And this year he solidified himself as an All Star. Uh, he uh he hit for. 266 batty average, 21 home runs, uh, 71 RBI, uh, an OBP of 340, slugging 460, OPS of 800, OPS plus of 122, amassing 4.9 WAR. This kid uh, just won me over. You know, every time he goes to the plate, I'm like, "We're going to the crone zone." You know, mm-hmm. a, a, a ball's hit to him in the crone zone. <laughs> uh, you know, Jake, Jake the Rake, Cronin. Uh, this kid has a, like 10 million different nicknames. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he just really won me over. He's honestly just that kind of five tool player that you need, like that rock in the infield. Because, I mean, you know, arguably, like with people like Manny Machado or like Hell Tatis when he's on, like his defensive variability, and then Cosmer, we don't talk about. Uh, but Cronenworth. <laughs> You know, yeah. whenever he's there in second or on first, I'm like, okay, this guy. He played some guy, short as well. Yeah, played some shortstop as well. This guy <laughs> will do his job. And, you know, he got an all-star selection this year. And I'm happy about that, too, because his card in MLB The Show, his all-star card is very good. One of my favorite lefty batters in the game. Uh, and, you know, yeah. So uh, Tatis was the first guy I got a jersey of. Uh, my second jersey is probably going to be Cronenworth. Because just this guy has just absolutely impressed me this year. I I love Jake Cronenworth. I think Padre fans will always you know enjoy him because 
the value aspect of, hey, we stole this guy from the Rays. Nobody else wanted him but us. And he's our he's our diamond in the rough that came out of, you know, nowhere. And he was a relief pitcher. He wasn't even supposed to be a second baseman, but we got him. And, you know, he he's our he's our homegrown sort of like developed player. And I hope he continues to get better. I know he uh, struck out a little bit more this year than he did last year, but he he's usually pretty good at not striking out. I, I hope he continues with hitting home runs. He got 21 off this year. I don't I don't know how many he hit last year. I can look that up in literally a second. Dude, dude, four. So that jumped from four to 21. Of course, it was only 50 games. So you expand that, then that's a 12 home run pace because he had about a third of a season. So 12 to 21, it's a bit of a jump there. If he's a guy that gives you gold glove uh, fielding and he's hitting 25 home runs at, you know, 275 batting average, that's an amazing every year all star player. And, you know, he's not as young as some of the other players because he came up through the minors and everything. But he is a great asset that the Padres have. And I hope we see him for many years to come and the Padres don't kind of jank him around too much in the field and his he'll always have a spot hopefully <laughs> I think uh having what is arguably our big three right now Tatis Machado and Jay Cronenworth mm-hmm. like that that's a that's a trio you can build teams around I feel and I'm really I'm really happy to see him like really up his game this year it certainly should be uh, on both sides, whether batting or fielding, it should be a great trio. It does worry me just a little bit about Kim because, you know, the infield's kind of uh, crowded with Hosmer. I mean, and, you know, just just drop Hosmer and move Cronenworth to first. I mean, what? I mean, what? <laughs> we had as much war as Hosmer? What? <laughs> <laughs> We I did. saw that post. I saw that post. <laughs> you know, it's so so complicated. What are we gonna do? You have, you have it's like it's one thing to get negative words. It's another thing to get zero words. You have to try to get that. You were nothing. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we should not have talked about Hosmer. It puts us in a certain type of mood. I'm sorry, Eric, if you're listening. I can call him Eric. Um <laughs> Eric. <laughs> So that was your number two. My number two. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you guess here, but you get you get one try. Alrighty. Okay. So this was a rookie. Rookie. A rookie that debuted in May. Mm-hmm. And he's a good friend of Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado. He's rookie. a friend of all the players, but you know. Debuted in May. Yeah. Trying to think. Uh, I was gonna say like good, a good friend of Tatis. Tati, I was gonna say Profar, but he's not a rookie. He's been around. For not a while. rookie, no. Uh. Hmm. Trying to think. Rookie debuted in May. I'm lost. Okay. So his name is a uh, Swag Chain. His name is Swag Chain. 
He debuted in May. He's a good friend of Fernando Tatis. Fernando Tatis likes to carry him around the dugout. Uh, around his first day, he was carrying him around the dugout. I'm, I'm completely serious that the swag chain is my two-star, my second star for the Padres uh, MVP here of the season. Okay. Listen, it's a bit dumb, but I like it. It it is a bit dumb, but listen, the Padres aren't usually a team that makes headlines. They're they're two most uh, famous players, Tony Gwynn and Trevor Hoffman, both had kind of like this aura of just like not flashy guys necessarily, not guys that people would just like, like random people would just like watch. They were guys like, okay, if you really know baseball, you know Tony Gwynn is the best hitter in baseball, and you watch him. Trevor Hoffman, he's the best uh, closer that's not on the Yankees. Go and watch him with his circle change. You know, but they weren't flashy. The Padres are historically just a team that just hangs in there. They're just a baseball team. They're not the Yankees. They're not the Dodgers. They're not a world-famous, renowned team. And baseball has a stigma, especially around people our age, Omar, mm. of not being the most entertaining sport, of not being you know, the most exciting. Basketball and football tend to be a little bit more popular for whatever reason, and that's a different conversation for a different time. But Swag Chain came to the Padres in May, and all of a sudden, I saw something happening that I've never seen. And that is people imitating the Padres. And you see, you see high school teams with their own swag chains. You see like little old ladies at Petco Park, 80 years old, and they have a freaking, they have a freaking spinner swag chain that they bought from, from some vendor. And it just it's like a fidget spinner. It's only going to be good for this one year. <laughs> I don't really want Swag Chain. I don't want the Padres to bring him back next year. Somebody will pick him up and he won't have as good of a year. Mm. But for this one year, I'm not I don't think it had any actual effect on the Padres winning games or losing games. That's all that's all hyperbole. But I think for this one year, Swag Chain gets my two stars because I just found it that was a great time for the Padres, May, June, July. The swag chain kept coming out, and you know he was loved by everyone before everybody started getting their own swag chains. Mm. And I thought that was a great time to be a Padres fan, because Omar, I've been a fan a lot longer than you playing that card, and that's never happened for Padres fans. So I thought that was my thing there. <laughs> yeah, the thing about the swag chain is, and this is probably just like me perusing like r slash padres and social media a little bit too much a lot of people turned on the swag chain after we started losing because they saw it as a curse or whatever oh yeah personally it looks dumb as fuck and i love it (laughs) (laughs) putting on a big ass fucking chain after hitting i was like yeah yeah look at me you know uh especially like you know uh don arcillo uh you know whenever someone put it on yelling spin it yeah or uh, you, um, one of my favorite moments of this year, you know, Daniel Camarena hitting the Grand Slam. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting to put it on the swag chain, you know, which was a rarity for pitchers because, you know, usually only home run hitters 
uh, get to wear. Pitchers, I think, only wore it once, like, once or twice this season. And, you know, Camarena got to wear that. Funny enough, we're, you know, doing a hitting feat, but still. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, to me, it, it'd always be like, you know, oh, hey, like, that was the peak of when we're really good this year. Which I did enjoy, you know, like, despite our epic collapse, I, you know, I still have good memories of the season, you know, for, like, a lot of the cool stuff we, that we did. And even during when, you know, during our big collapse, you know, stuff like uh, Joe Musgrove's uh, full complete game shutout, uh, Jay Cronenworth walking it off, you know, little things like that, you know, I'll still be able to find it. Like, oh, hey, I remember when they did that. Yeah, for me, when I want to remember this season, I'm going to remember the swag chain with a positive note. Like I said, I don't think it had any actual effect on the performance of the team. Like, like the swag chain is given out after you do something awesome. Mm. So, you know, it wouldn't have had an effect on the team morale, whatever. I think that's just all extra stuff. And like I said, I don't think it would be, you know, I don't think it'll have the same effect next year. I think we might roll our eyes a bit next year. But I'm glad in 2021 that the swag chain made its debut. And we all got to enjoy the good times of Padres baseball this year with the swag chain. Yeah. If okay. They, if they do bring it back, I don't want to. I don't want to see it to like maybe postseason. Uh, you know, God willing, we make it next year. Yeah, maybe that's a thing where like you 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 hold it for more of important events there. Yeah. Uh, real quick, mm-hmm. just want to know what's your favorite uh imitation swag chain we saw. From other teams my two favorites were uh the phillies having that stupid little hat they wore <laughs> whenever they hit a home run and then i think the the Mar- not the mariners i want to say the mariners because it was a trident the oakland a's when they went on that winning streak early on in the year they had a freaking trident <laughs> i'm trying to remember because i'm not sure i remember seeing all these pictures of different like swag chains um, but I'm I'm not remembering like a specific one. I think I remember the the trident, but I I wouldn't say I have one off the top of my head. That was like, oh, I can't believe they did this. I just remember kind of rolling my eyes when I saw fans of the other teams having swag chains with their own team's logo, and I was like, you copied us, you copied us, and I was like, you know, laughing about it. Yeah. Because I, I kept seeing stuff like this, like I'm going to post in the Discord here, um, where there were like fans wearing like giant bling chains of the Giants and stuff. Awful. And it's like it's like a game of telephone because like <laughs> it starts out as one thing that's specific for the Padres, and then like by the time it gets you know to eBay and people are buying it and bringing it to the games, then it's it's like transformed mess of a thing that's just like a piece of jewelry that's made of plastic and you pay 50 bucks for it but it's probably worth like seven and you're wearing it around to, to jump around during the stadium and it, it's probably pretty fun but you know then just that's how it transforms things like that <laughs> in my opinion Alrighty, so for my last player this uh, is your most your favorite player your favorite you know we're doing oh i thought it was the other way around I was doing (laughs) this is my third favorite player. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh my god. Well then. I got very confused. I am so sorry. There we go. Yeah, so uh, for the record, Joe Musgrove is my favorite player of this year. 
this is my third favorite player. So I'm done. Okay. Uh, my third favorite player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna let you guess. He has. He's a pitcher. Mm-hmm. He has pitched for several teams, and he came in this year on a one-year deal. On a one-year this deal. Sh- this should be pretty easy. Yeah. It's Mark Melanson. Yep. Mark yeah. the Shark. MLB League. MLB League, yes. MLB Saves Leader, Mark Melanson. Uh, this guy came in uh, on a relatively cheap deal because he wanted to compete with us, which... You know, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He came sorry. in and he did his end of the bargain, recording 39 saves with us, uh, pitching 64.2 innings, striking out 59 batters, uh, with the ERA of 2.23. Uh, you know, the only and hell, the only like the few times he did blow saves, like two of them of like the four or five were due to extra runners, which is bullshit. But you know, thanks, Manfred. Uh, but yeah, like I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, this guy, you know, he gives us heart attacks. He's not the best closer. I don't want him here this next year." And I'd like to see him come back this next year, um, but maybe not in the closer role. Uh, we'll see. But but you know, when he was on, like he was lights out. You know, he just uh, his knuckle curve, his cutter, just like when he's on, like it's lights out. Don't even bother swinging the bat. Just to go off what you were saying earlier, I think that there's no way he goes and plays a position that is not closer next year. We may not want him as a closer, so we may not keep him, or the the prices might not match. But I feel like it's always a thing where if a guy has a good year, even though with Mark Melanson, it's very clear that he's you know an older player, so you're kind of playing to see, is this a year where he's going to fall off, or does he still have it? He's gonna his agent is gonna be like, You're you're still a closer. Uh go get that money, you know, and go to whatever team wants you as a closer and he's he's gonna get that bag. But you did mention he could have gotten a bigger bag somewhere else here than go to the Padres. But we'll see what happens. I I do think we'd be tempting fate to bring him back as closer again. Mm-hmm. I thought he was great and it kind of mimicked the beginning of the year. He was amazing. And when the Padres started to fall off, he had a few bumps in the road. But ultimately, you know, he, he had a great season. And I, I wish he had gotten one more save to get him to 40. Mm. But 39 and leading the majors is nothing to be ashamed of. It was a great year for him and certainly exceeded our expectations. I don't know how many people on the Padres are lined up for like end of season awards. I know Tatis is like lined up for uh, MVP, and you know we might might have some Golden Glovers, Silver Sluggers, et cetera, et cetera. But at least hoping that Mark Melanson gets the Trevor Hoffman Award. At least hoping that. That'd be pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, especially since you know, I mean, it's a Trevor Hoffman Award, right? A San Diego person's got to win it. You know, come on. Yeah. Also, shout out to Mark Melanson's uh, turfing company. Uh, this is legit. Uh, he owns a turfing company down in Florida. Uh, yeah. it, I I hope it's probably good. You know, like hey, like hell, give him a call, leave him some good reviews, tell him we sent you. <laughs> According to Baseball Reference, so I'm not sure how accurate this is. Mark Melanson finished seventh on the Padres and wins above replacement with two point one wins above replacement. That's higher than every uh, other reliever on the team, of course. 
higher than every other pitcher besides Joe Musgrove, who uh, was fourth with 3.5 wins above replacement, respectively. I I was just glancing at that, and I saw that Manny Machado is at 5.1, and Jake Cronenworth at 4.9. I thought that was very interesting, hmm. that they're very close in value there. Good thing to have. So now, now I know how the order is going. <laughs> so I'm curious, I, who is your favorite Padre of this year? I, I probably worded this in, terribly wrong when I was trying to tell you what we were doing. You, you absolutely did, because I got confused. Yeah. <laughs> we should have been counting down then if we were going to do it that way. Um, I was, I was trying to make a hockey reference, but we're not a hockey podcast, so. That. I barely even watch it. Yeah. Go, <laughs> Go Coyotes. Um, anyway, my favorite Padre is a guy you've already picked, uh, Joe Musgrove. Musgrove. So, so we both matched the number one. Just We did it differently. <laughs> we said it in a different order. And and I was I was assuming when you said Musgrove first, I was like, okay, that means he has Tatis as his, as his favorite player. And, you know, I have... We we might have it switched because I have I had the other way, but no, no, we both have Musgrove as our favorite player, and for all the reasons that we already went over, he is the only Padre pitcher that was consistent throughout the year. He's the homegrown pitcher uh, that we brought in, you know, the hometown player. He is a guy that we want to see with the team, and we want to see him on opening day as a starter. He's the fan favorite, the guy who exceeded expectations from the staff rather than, you know, not living up to them. So it was very easy to enjoy seeing him out there. And he had, you know, amazing starts. You mentioned earlier your um, no-hitter story. Mine was very similar. I mentioned it earlier in this podcast, well, in a different episode. I was uh getting food i believe and i come back and it's the eighth inning of the game and you know i sit down with the food and i'm looking at the score i'm like oh okay padres are winning and it's a it's a shutout game now look it's the eighth inning and musgrove's still in there i'm like well why is musgrove in there and then the eighth inning ends and i see the zeros and I freak out. <laughs> so I don't officially know it's a no-hitter chance until going into the ninth inning there. And so I, you know, just that spur-of-the-moment thing where I hadn't been checking, you know, Twitter, my phone, or anything. So I didn't know that it was coming up. It just, it was so awesome to be able to enjoy that. Because the team had been around since 1969. And nobody else had been able to enjoy that. And the first one is always the best, just like when Will Myers got our first ever cycle for the Padres. Yes, yes. Will Myers was the first one. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Jake Cronenworth did also hit for the cycle. He did, yes. So he was the second Padre to hit it. I, I saw that I saw that live on TV as well. Uh, when that happened, I was like, oh, Jake, Jake Cronenworth, he, he, got the, he got the in-the-park home run as part of it. That was amazing. That was a, that was a great moment this year. I well, I remember that. That was a great moment. But yeah, Joe Musgrove. That's my most important Padre. 
favorite Padre, whatever we're calling this. It was jangled up, but uh, you know, that's that's how it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. With all of that out of the way, we have the off season ahead of us. Uh, we probably won't record for a little bit, but with the coaching carousel, uh, with potential moves on the way, it probably won't be too long at the same time. So we'll see what we uh, want to do with that. Is there anything else you'd like to let the listeners know while we have them, Omar? So we started this earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, not necessarily looking for like fame or fortune or as much fame or fortune you can get from being a podcast about a baseball team. But, you know, this has been an enjoyable thing to do. Uh, very much like uh, escape from like, you know, what I do in my normal day to day. I mean, the Padres can be incredibly frustrating, but, you know, that's baseball. Everything is frustrating. Uh, like, ask a Dodger fan. They won 100 plus games this year, and they're probably still crying about some little thing that happened in like April, you know? Yeah. So this has been really fun to do throughout that and i'm hoping next year you know one the podcast comes back which it should hopefully yeah and two i'm hoping the padres can come back and kick some ass yeah same here um i'm hoping we come back and you know everything goes well and we get more listeners uh next year as well i'm hoping the padres uh take this one to the chin and learn from their experience and are able to turn it around with their moves in the off season and help them make it to October next year. Mm-hmm. Whether you're San Diego at home or San Diego at heart, thank you for being with us for the first season of the Far Away Friars podcast, episode 20, uh, the final episode of the 2021 season. Now, many questions loom, but we will see you soon. Not sure about that line. (laughs) (laughs) Many questions loom, but we will see you soon. At least it rhymes, kind of. The the M and N line rhyme is always is always janky.